was about uh, one or two o'clock in the morning. And I was waiting for my turn to drive, so I was asleep on the back seat. And I woke up looking down the center line of the highway. <gasps> and my first thought was, well, this ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my second thought was, ow. <laughs> uh, and my third thought was, where's, where's Donna? Where's my wife? Right. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today was born in Mexico but raised in Arizona. And while he was in college, he married his calculus tutor. That's pretty cool. Mm. Which proved to be a wise move as she helped him through even greater difficulties than calculus. After graduating from college with a degree in aerospace engineering, he joined the Air Force and became a fighter pilot flying the A-10 Thunderbolt II, also known as the Warthog. After 10 years in the Air Force, he entered the civilian world where he has changed careers six times. He now lives in Ogden, Utah, with his wife of 28 years, close to his four sons. His hobbies include philosophy, writing, role-playing games, and charity cosplay. I'm pleased to present Lynn Taylor. Lynn, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am. Thank you. Oh, well, we're. I'm excited to have Lynn. He's been one of those people I want have wanted to have on the podcast for a couple years now. Yeah, it's been a couple years since, <laughs> since we first met. And I finally yeah. tackled them and said, you're doing that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but to break the ice, Lynn mm-hmm. has a really interesting story about a screenplay that I thought would be fun to talk about today. So why don't you tell me your story about a screenplay? Yeah, so the, the way I ended up in this, I, I wrote a novel. I always wanted to write, and I, I wrote the first draft of the novel, didn't know what to do with it, found a writing coach, went to a writing conference, and I like to be helpful. I don't like sitting there idle and watching people work, and there were some people bustling about, so I went to the lady running the, the conference, I said, what can I do to help? She's like, well, we don't really have anything, and then a lady walked in the door right next to us, and she said, oh, actually, this is Kathy. Get her settled in and get her whatever she needs. Said, okay. Hi, Kathy. I'm Lynn. Here, there's a seat next to me. Come sit down. We can be friends for the next three days. And <laughs> whatever you need, I'm happy to get for you. And she didn't really need much. She was a little distracted, sending a text on the phone and put her phone down and said, he's got till Sunday to get back to me or I'm giving it to somebody else. Uh, that's kind of an odd thing to say. Uh, I don't mean to pry. Is everything okay? And she said, yeah, I just sent a screenplay to, and she mentioned a rather prominent actor who I had seen several of his movies. And, you know, wait, when you say this actor, do you mean the guy that's been in this and this and this other thing? And she said, yeah, that's the one. Oh, who, who are you? <laughs> uh, and so we started talking. She has some time now. And, uh, she was a film producer and she was there looking for stories and, and books that might be good to turn into movies. And, uh, my book was not anywhere close to that, but I was curious. Yeah. I'm not a screenwriter. I'm a novelist, but I'm asking her questions cause I just, yeah. I love to learn about things. And so she's talking about the, the process and usually somebody will write a script and then they look for somebody to sponsor it and they look for funding and then they go and get it made and she said, but there's this one idea that's been out there for a while. They've got some money to make the movie, but they've just never really found the right script for it. I'm like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll bite. What's the idea? She said, well, they want to make a movie to the music of Air Supply. I'm like, Air Supply? <laughs> uh, I remember listening to Air Supply. And again, I'm not really thinking of myself as a screenwriter, but yeah, and the conference goes on, but I can't get this thought out of my head. It sticks in there. The, the day one of the conference gets done, I've got an hour drive home, and that's on my mind the whole drive home. So I get home, and I end up listening to Air Supply for an hour. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Singing to the I'm oldies, like, huh? <laughs> so I'm calling up these old songs, and I'm like, oh, and ideas start 
coming to me. And I'm thinking kind of like Mamma Mia, they probably want something in a more contemporary setting. But I'm thinking like a, a period piece, like maybe Pride and Prejudice with maybe some Romeo and Juliet elements. I write some notes and I finally go to bed. Get up the next day and I'm asking Kathy a little bit more about this. I'm like, oh, I was thinking about this a little bit more. And ask some questions like who's your market and things like that. And, and then I say, do, do they have any ideas in mind? And she said, well, they were thinking maybe a period piece, maybe something like Pride and Prejudice with some Romeo and Juliet elements. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, oh my, you're kidding me. So I just dropped my pen on the counter and said, okay, okay I'll tell you what. When I get to a stopping point in my book, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I don't know anything about screenwriting, but yeah. uh, I can learn. I've, I've learned other things in the past. And so I got to a stopping point and I did everything that I could to learn about screenwriting. And uh, it took several months and I ended up writing a screenplay <laughs> to the music of Air Supply and <laughs> handed it off to her. And she said, I love it. I want to make it. Wow. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's been um, it's kind of been on the shelf for a while, but now that things are picking up again, I actually got a call earlier this week that a couple other projects higher up the list look like they're going to get made, and assuming all goes well, this might be made in a year or two. And then I can say I know somebody famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to introduce me to them. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so fun. So Lynn is just an amazing guy and and he has lived a life and, and it hasn't been free from difficulty. In fact, no. you were approaching a very monumental event in your life when a tragedy happened. Yes, yeah, probably, yeah, it was pretty significant. Um, so it was, so I was in college, um, as you mentioned, I so I was going through this aerospace engineering degree, at, which was in and of itself difficult because I should have been an English major. But, uh, <laughs> but this was my path to accomplish my dream of flying fighters in the Air Force, was getting an aerospace engineering degree. It's a long, convoluted story, but I needed help with calculus. Math is not my thing. Hey, we should bump on that because it's not yes. my thing either. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I realized that I had to get through this in order to accomplish my dream. Yes. And so I needed help and I had a calculus tutor and she was amazing in many ways. And so we met, um, so I took a couple years off of school, got back into school. She was there. Uh, we met beginning of September. We were engaged middle of October. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, How often were you hanging out? <laughs> uh, it was it was daily. Well, we had classes together. Um, we ended up going to church together. We, we, everything in our lives, it was a small school, just kind mm -hmm. of aligned, where we had to see each other every day. Mm -hmm. And it was a happy thing. So, um, so yeah, it, it took me longer to figure it out than it did her. But um, anyway, so we got engaged in the middle of October. We wanted to get married in between semesters, which was in December. Wow. And so we were going to school in Arizona. Her family is from North Carolina. So the plan was, in between semesters, finish our finals for the semester, hop on the car. There's another friend going with us. We're going to drive back east, um, taking turns driving. Mm -hmm. And so we got about 60 miles east of El Paso at about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was waiting for my turn to drive, so I was asleep on the back seat. And I woke up looking down the center line of the highway. <gasps> and my first thought was, well, this ain't right. <laughs> and my, my second thought was, ow. Uh, and my third thought was, where's, where's Donna? Where's my wife? Right. And fortunately, she was right there. What had happened was... Um, there was, so it was back before a whole lot of developments, like the rumble strips on the side of the road and GPS and everything else. And so, so the two of them in the front were trying to navigate and, um, and figuring out the exits and everything else started to drift a little bit mm -hmm. and then realizing they're drifting overcorrected. And I ended up getting thrown out of the car in a 75 mile an hour rollover. <gasps> oh, Lynn. Ouch. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, prior to this, I had been on track. I was in, in good shape. My grades were doing pretty good. It was looking like I was, I was going to achieve my dream, my childhood dream of being a pilot in the Air Force. Uh, and now uh, my body was, was pretty broken. My left knee was shattered. Um, I was uh, bleeding mess on the highway. Fortunately, there were a couple of truck drivers that arrived. They just happened upon us. Pretty soon after that, they blocked it off, radioed for an ambulance. The closest ambulance was an hour away in El Paso. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm laying on the road. Um, so side note, my, uh, my fiance is there because I, I know from my first aid training that I, I need to stay conscious. And um, so I'm walking her through the questions that she should ask me. Okay, my name is my birthday is and I start running out of things to talk about and stay awake and the thought hits me I'm like oh I might be going out on a limb here but are are we engaged <laughs> and she's like yeah we're supposed to get married next week I'm like oh okay I, I was afraid I just proposed um, <laughs> but, a little, uh, bumped your head a little bit there Lynn <laughs> uh, yeah yeah I still got some scars fortunately the, the hair grew over but yeah, I've got um so the ambulance loads us up. It's an hour ride back. Uh, we get to El Paso on the first turn. We realized they didn't secure my pallet to the ambulance. And I, <gasps> I, I slid off. Oh. Uh, yeah, that hurt. Ow. Um, yeah, we get there. It turns out my knee had been shattered. Coincidentally, the best person available to reconstruct my knee happened to be on call that night. What? Yeah, I, I don't believe in coincidences. No, but, I don't either. Yeah. So, so all of that... Um, and there were several other, I want to call them minor miracles, but to me, they weren't very minor. Um, everything worked out as far as my recovery. And, uh, part of it was they didn't want to release me from the hospital because I had a fever. And, uh, also coincidentally, I have an aunt and uncle who live in El Paso. Oh, that's a miracle. And so they were able to take care of my friends uh, my fiance and, and friend and he came in and brought somebody and they gave me a, a blessing that I would be able to you know get better and and be released from the hospital and they gave me that on, on that evening and the next morning everything was fine and I got released are you kidding me no even your knee oh no no sorry sorry I still had I was still in a full leg cast Oh. But like the fever was gone, all of the check boxes that the medical and folks insisted had to be okay for me to wow. be released from the hospital. Everything, all of the, uh, like the fever and all of the other indicators cleared up overnight and I was released the next morning. Wow. So I stayed with my aunt and uncle for a day, then flew back to Arizona and then we flew out to North Carolina. Actually, I think we flew straight to DC. Hadn't even met her family yet. Did you still get married on the right the we got, same day? We got married right on schedule. <laughs> a full leg cast in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we weren't going to wait another semester. We were, <laughs> we'd already waited long enough. <laughs> um, that is crazy. But that started um, a long process of physical, uh, physical therapy and rehabilitation to get back into enough shape to qualify to fly for the Air Force. That was a long road. Now, let me ask you, because sometimes when we hit road bumps like this, mm -hmm. um, we we have like an inner battle inside, like, mm -hmm. oh, this is too hard. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Did you ever doubt that idea, that dream? Did you want to give up? Were you discouraged ever? Uh, prob probably, but I don't remember... And that, that's the, the benefit of, you know, a lot of times the, the rough memories kind of fall into shadow. They do. Um, and the, the bright ones. I mean, I do, some things that do come into my mind are when I'm going across campus uh, on crutches and my foot hits an uneven spot of pavement and I've got this pain that shoots up my leg. Uh, but I, I think that what comes back to me more than anything is just determination. As long as there was any chance at all, I was going to pursue it with everything that I had. Mm. Um, and I was confident that things were going to work out. And, and if not, well, that's okay. But it's not going to be because I gave up. Mm -hmm. 
if, if it's not going to happen, it's going to be because somebody else tells me, sorry, you ran a good race, but you, it's just not going to happen. Right. It's not going to be because I decided I didn't want it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. That's powerful. So you, you get your butt. Tell me what that rehab looked like. I mean, obviously it wasn't easy. Uh, no, it wasn't. And actually, fortunately I had a, a supportive, um, ROTC detachment. They let me delay my field training a year, uh, cause I was in no shape to go, but right. uh, your results of field training play into the whole scoring system. There's a whole lot, your physical fitness tests, all of those things. Uh, my endurance was never quite the same after that. Um, but I, I, I think the determination that I had, the commitment and the drive had to factor into uh, the commander's recommendations mm-hmm. on whether or not I would be a good fit for that career field. Because uh, there are a lot of factors. It's not just physical fitness. It's also grades, which, again, that calculus tutor helped immensely on. <laughs> um, and And she also helped me through a lot of the rest of this. She help to support in areas where I couldn't cover everything um, and allowed me to focus on what I had to do. So um, a lot of the, you know, the push-ups and the sit-ups and the mile and a half run and uh, 600-yard dash and all these different things, I just had to keep improving and improving and improving until I hit those standards where I was accomplishing what I needed to to qualify. Wow. And so it was, it was a lot of pain, a lot of physical pain. Um, but you just, you just push through it. And, and, and in saying that, I got to actually clarify that it's not, not to the point of injuring myself again. Right. But when you're, when your leg is immobilized in a full leg cast for several weeks, you know, the muscles atrophy and the joints kind of freeze up and, um, it, it's painful to restore that strength and, um, that flexibility. Yeah. So I'm hearing a couple of key components that you seem to be kind of talking around the, of lessons learned. One is patience. Mm-hmm. That some things just take time. They do. And um, another one I'm hearing is that you need to allow that that you need other people in your life to help you oh, sometimes absolutely. achieve big milestones. Absolutely. Uh, I I can't think of any really worthwhile achievement in history that did not involve someone else mm. in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through a mentor or encouragement. Uh, there's there's always, like even just a supplier of materials for you to build what it is you're going to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a I heard something that stuck with me years and, and years ago, that to truly make an apple pie from scratch, you first have to create an apple. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> And, and so with that, um, have a team. It, it's just more fun with a team anyway, because mm-hmm. you get a share in that joy of achievement with the team in whatever role they fill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never fun to celebrate alone. No, you're right. It's not. Now, you got to finish the story. Mm-hmm. Did you make it? Obviously. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did, yes. Um, and... So I, I'm always a little hesitant to mention this because it it feels a little bit like bragging because <laughs> it, it's a uh, I've got to acknowledge it is a an honor. So I was selected not only for pilot training, I was selected for a course called the Euro NATO Joint Jet Pilot Program, oh. which is it's where not just pilot training but it's where a lot of our European and NATO allies also come to this base in the United States for training. Oh, that's cool. And this particular training has more of a fighter pilot focus to it. You've got a higher percentage of getting into a fighter through this program. It's very selective to get in to begin with. Wow. So uh, I was able to go through that program, which was a wonderful experience and probably one of the biggest challenges of my life. They, uh, I almost quit, actually. Really? I did. Um here I was on track for my lifelong dream and they, they design it to be challenging. Yeah. Um, part of it out of necessity because you've got all these different classes going through at the same time and sometimes you have to do night flying and sometimes day flying. And so they would transition between early week and late week, early week, late week, like every week. So your circadian rhythms are 
always getting messed up. Right. And they, they've got constant testing and, um, like quizzing you on the fly. And if you mess anything up, you don't fly that day. And it's, it's a really grueling training program that lasts for a year. Wow. You've got six months in one airframe and then you transition into the next one for another six months. So you're learning a whole other aircraft in that second half. Wow. And, um, we had an infant born just before this. It was our second kid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, I'm a husband, a father going through fighter pilot training. And uh, my wife is just doing an amazing job, but she needs to sleep on occasion too. Yeah. So I remember I was sitting on the floor in the dark in the living room, three o'clock in the morning, cradling a crying infant in my arms. And I am physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. And I just start crying. That's all I can do, and I've got nothing left. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And um, so I talked to my wife about it the next day. I said, I, I don't think I can keep this up. And uh, she looked me in the eye, and she said, you're not quitting. Mm. I said, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but, but you'll get through this. Just Keep doing the best that you can. You've wanted this your whole life. You can't quit. And so with with, a, with that encouragement, I was like, well, okay. All right. She took that option off the table. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't validate my desire to quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with her encouragement, I kept going. And I ended up obviously making it through that. And I'm very grateful for that. So when I say that she's gotten me through a lot of other things since calculus, mm-hmm. um, pilot training was harder than calculus. I didn't think anything was harder than calculus. <laughs> but uh, uh, I made it through. And sure enough, uh, just like going to school doesn't really reflect real life, mm-hmm. uh, pilot training didn't really reflect what being in an actual fighter squadron was. It was a lot harder well, with good reason because, I mean, you get – you go to war and and it's a very demanding sort of a schedule. They got to make sure that the hardest thing you've ever done is go through training because mm. you don't want to get through training and then run into the hardest thing you've ever done and find right. out when they really need you to perform that you can't do it. Right. So I, and I totally understand and appreciate all of that. And they prepare you really, really well. I mean, you have to, you're putting these people in charge of multi-million dollar pieces of equipment that can be incredibly destructive if you mm. don't use them properly. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going through pilot training, uh, ended up in the A-10, which ended up, I didn't know it at the time, but it ended up being the perfect fit for me. Um, every different flying community has their own personality, and it just, it, it was a perfect fit. I loved it. Yay. So it was worth uh, it in the end. Oh, it absolutely was. Uh-huh. It was. And, and I'm grateful for the support that I had, especially for my wife and her getting me through that. Um, but there were a lot of other people that even though it seems like they're pressuring you and making life hard, they also want you to succeed. They, they just want to, sometimes I think that's kind of what life is. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got this perspective that, you know, life is a test. And I, I personally don't think life is a test so much as a school. Mm. That we're not here to be tested and judged, we're here to learn and grow. Mm. And, and it's kind of hard sometimes by design because if it was a resort situation all the time, where would the growth be? Yeah, that's true. How would, we wouldn't come out on the end of this experience better and stronger and more valuable. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. I I remember when I was a, a young parent wishing that I could kind of put a bubble around my kids and prevent mm-hmm. any of these hard things from happening to them that happened to me growing up. Um, and the longer I've been a parent and the, I guess perspective, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the the longer I've had this perspective, I've realized I, I shouldn't want to shield my kids from every hard thing because mm-hmm. if I do, how will they ever grow? Exactly. And and I should I probably didn't use the exact right word when I said makes us more valuable. I mean we we are regardless of our skills and capabilities, we are all immensely valuable. I mean mm-hmm. we're, we're incalculable value of each individual human being, but we become just better. I mean we 
as we we improve in our skills and everything else like you said we if we shield our kids we are depriving them of that opportunity for growth yeah now at the same time there's the Virgil, one of my heroes is Aristotle, and mm-hmm. he's got this uh, philosophy known as the golden mean, where the ideal lies in between the two extremes. Mm. And so you've got to use wisdom and judgment in all things. I mean, you, you you don't want your kids to like wander into the pool and drown. <laughs> right. That's irresponsible. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, yes, yeah. you're right. But But you want them to learn how to swim. Yes. And to learn how to swim, they've got to be exposed to the potential of drowning. Mm. but you do it in a way that it minimizes the risk. Yeah. But you don't shield them completely. Yeah. You know what's interesting? And and here's a question I'm just going to throw at you. Um, Do you think God looks at us the same way as we look at our kids? Like he wants us to grow and... And, and maybe maybe sometimes we feel like we've been thrown in the pool and we mm-hmm. we're drowning a little bit, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. Why else would we be here? <laughs> I mean, I don't see us as like an ant farm that he's just like, oh wow, let's see what happens. <laughs> um, we're here for a purpose, uh, and sometimes we we think that it's like a narrow purpose. Uh, I I tend to think there may be. Maybe some specific things that would be good for us to achieve, but I think the overarching purpose is for us to just gain experience and learn and grow and, and be better and learn how to make good decisions mm. and learn how to love, mm. how to love each other and persevere through hard things. Um, and it's all, and we by design don't have the full view of why we're going through all of this. Um, like in pilot training, there's some of the things that they would have us do. And at a time, we're like, this makes no sense. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Well, they've been doing this training a while. They understand why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And once you get into the real world and you get operational, you can look back and go, oh, now I understand. Oh, Now I see why they put us through that exact training because I'm using it now. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that in the hereafter, everything here is for our benefit. And we just need to do our best to learn and grow with everything that comes at us. And as long as we keep moving forward, as long as we don't quit and we don't give up on ourselves, that we will grow in whatever way we are supposed to. Hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, Lynn is going to share with us a really interesting experience he had with one of his children that taught him a great perspective on how God looks at us. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a gift for a friend, sister, or mother who is really struggling right now and you're not sure what to get them? It's hard for me to sometimes find those gifts, and so Today, I'm so excited to tell you about this booklet, The Mother's Might. It's a perfect, simple, inexpensive gift you can give your friends, your family, your sisters, anyone that you want to share this story with. And it will be meaningful. It's not just a little piece of candy that they eat and forget. It's something they can read over and over again because so often we, as women, feel alone and overwhelmed and burdened and like there's so many things weighing upon our shoulders. And what I love about this story is that it points us to Jesus Christ in our times of trouble, that he understands us, he loves us, he knows what we're going through and he is more than willing to help us bear that burden. And I love that about this story, that it gives not only me hope, but it will convey that sense of hope for all of you. So get your copy of it today, tamarakanderson.com slash store. You can order one, two, 10, 20, however many you want. And we will get those to you so you can get them distributed. All right, now on to our show. And we're back. I've been talking to Lynn Taylor about some really crazy experiences he had in his life where he was trying to reach his dream of becoming an Air Force fighter pilot, and it kind of got crushed and delayed because of a car accident that he was in and the lessons he learned along the way. 
And now we're going to transition into a different topic. Now, um, we were talking before we started recording the podcast a little mm-hmm. bit about an experience you had with one of your children that taught oh, you yeah. a really godlike perspective yeah. of, of how God sees us. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing that? Um, yeah, yeah, I can share that. It's, uh, it's a very personal personal thing, and you'll, you'll understand as I share um, you know, why that is. So I've, I've had two, I would say, transformative spiritual experiences in my life, and this was the second one. And this is actually where a lot of the things I just mentioned, the understanding of that came from from this experience. So I have uh, four boys and I've developed a really good relationship with them where they can, I feel like they can come and talk to me about anything mm-hmm. and they have, which is why I'm, I, <laughs> I feel comfortable saying that. Um, but we also had a little bit of a code um, of when they needed to talk about some heavy subject and say, Hey, can we go in your office and talk? So it's a closed door. It's just us. Nobody's going to overhear, and and nothing that is said in there goes to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and similarly, this is I'll tell you about my experience in this. So he says this, and and we have talked about things before. I, I know exactly what it is he's going to say, um, and my first response was frustration. Uh, and what I wanted to say was, "Are you kidding me?" Again, what is wrong with you? Why? What is, you know, why is this still an issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that was the wrong answer, and I didn't know what the right answer was, um, and I felt kind of helpless and powerless in that moment to overcome. I was like, I'm going to damage our relationship with the words that are in my head right now. Mm-hmm. So it's about uh, maybe thirty steps to my office. And so we stand up and we start walking and I start praying. You know, he, he's ahead of me and I say, Heavenly Father, I, I'm going to mess this up. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, but I know what is in me right now is the wrong answer. And then I asked the question and I said, please show me how you would handle this. Wow. And he did. I asked that question, and in that moment, all of that frustration and angst and just all of those negative emotions just washed out of me. And I know it wasn't me because I didn't have the capability in that moment to do that. Right. That all went away, and it was replaced by compassion and love. Wow. So I'm looking at my son walking ahead of me, and, and all I have for him is peace, understanding, and love. Whatever he's about to say, that's all that's there. Mm. So I was like the first 10 steps. And the next 10 steps, it hits me. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is how you've been dealing with me my whole life. <gasps> and I I took full advantage of being a teenager. <laughs> um, I, I, I had some things that uh, would not be surprised if my parents had that same emotional response to me when I was a teenager. But... I understood that God had this same love and patience and compassion for me with everything that I had done. That mm-hmm. I felt you know, I had resolved all of it. But even then, in the moment when that was happening, he still saw me that way. And in the last 10 steps into my office, I realized it, then it, everything opened up and I was like, oh my goodness, this is how you see everybody. Mm. Everybody from the best person to the absolute worst person who has ever walked the earth, you have this exact same unbounded compassion and love for them. And it changed my world. Because now I had a glimpse of seeing everybody else that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I mastered it, but, but that it changed something inside of me where there was no going back. So yeah, I still get frustrated with people on occasion. I, you know, I'm still very human in that regard, but it's become a lot easier for me to just remember that moment and remember that, okay, I wanna see you the way our mutual Father in heaven sees you. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes it's a bit of a reminder, and, and I still have to go back to that place, but but that compassion is there, that love is there. And so I sit down with my son, and I just tell him, okay, tell me what's on your mind. And he just lets it all out. And and he's in pain, and he's he's struggling with things. And, and he gets to the end of it, he let, gets it all out. And I just look him in the eye and say, you know, thank you for letting me know. Here's what I want you to know. I love you. It's going to be okay. Just don't quit. Wow. Because that is exactly what God would have told him in that moment. It's, I love you. Everything's going to be okay. Just don't quit. Wow. There's some powerful life lessons there. And it, it, it seems to repeat throughout your life, you know, don't quit. Yeah. You're loved. You have people around you that love you when you were younger and got in the accident. Yeah. And now it's coming full circle when you learn that's how God not only views you, but your son and teaching him that same yeah. core concept. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. That's really, really powerful. I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience. It's, uh, it's what I needed. And, yeah. and it's, it's helped me many times since then. So that's such a powerful life lesson. What other life lessons have you learned? Well, some of the other things that I live by, uh, that you know, there's still trials and there's still challenges. It's just part of life. And you just kind of accept that that's going to come mm -hmm. and to just decide how you're going to deal with those. So one of the things that, uh, that I've concluded is that you decide what goes on in your head and in your heart. And it may not be easy to keep that inner peace, but it's just like a muscle that you can exercise it and make it stronger. So instead of living in the angst or the rage or the whatever those negative emotions are, you can you still feel them. Mm -hmm. You allow yourself to experience those, but you don't hold them. You just let them flow through. Mm. Now, have you because you applied this principle of praying to God mm -hmm. to ask for help? I've actually done that before. Mm -hmm when I felt really, really angry inside. Yeah, and sometimes it was with kids and sometimes mm -hmm. it was with other people. <laughs> yeah. But I've actually prayed and it does work. God, I don't want to feel this way anymore, mm -hmm. but I can't help that this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Can you help me get rid of it? And he does. He does. And what I found though, one of the tricks though, is, is if you ever ask for help getting rid of that and it doesn't go away, take a look to see if you're gripping tighter. Oh, because it, if you're offering it up and saying, here, take this, yeah, he'll take it unless you're clenching onto it really tight. I really don't want to get rid of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I want it's, you to take it, but I don't want to give yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not going to force it away from you. But uh, if you seriously are like, hey, I, I really want to be rid of this, it'll go away. Wow. Um, and like that muscle, it might it might take some practice and it might not go away as quick as you want. But the more you practice that, the quicker it'll go. Mm. You know, this reminds me of a time in my life when I, I learned a key principle. I can't remember what it was I was supposed to pray for. I think it was I was supposed to I needed to forgive somebody. Mm -hmm. Had no desire to forgive them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I'm supposed to. And I remember it finally dawned on me that I can't pray that I'll forgive them, but I can maybe pray for the first baby step, which God give me the desire mm -hmm. to forgive them. Yes. So sometimes you have to, if you can't pray for the one thing, maybe break it down into baby steps and maybe God give me the desire to mm -hmm. do that next step. Sometimes you yeah. have to break it down into small, if, if you're gripping on too hard, right? Oh yeah. That's a brilliant approach. Yeah. So it really is because it's, it is a process and, yeah. and it's not always an easy process. Yeah. So would you apply the same principle, say, cause you were talking about attitude, mm -hmm. you know, um, that do you talk to God about how, how you want your attitude to be or how, how, how do you do that? Uh, so I, I get an idea in my mind of the kind of person I want to be. Mm. And I think, okay, if I want to be that type of person, what do I need to do? Like, what, how do I view things? 
And this is where studying uh, not only scriptures, but philosophy, I mentioned Aristotle, things like that. There are a lot of brilliant thinkers who share some really insightful perspectives on problems and challenges and how to deal with things. So there, there's a lot of things both in both in scripture and just thinkers in the world. And I'm thinking primarily a lot of, um, uh, if you go and look at, at philosophers throughout history, prominent folks, there are some really, um, really wise words on how to deal with struggles. Um, a lot of Stoic philosophers in particular. Um, uh, Marcus Aurelius has got some great works out there. He focused on death a lot, which, um, but, but also a lot of trials and things like that, that, uh, basically the perspective, the perspective is really what makes the difference. Hmm. Um, as you're going through trials, if you think, woe is me, well then, yeah, you're going to be miserable about it. But if you're looking at it more as an opportunity for personal growth and a chance to flex your muscles, um, cause like when you go to the gym, you expect it to be challenging. That's true. You don't go to the gym for a spa experience. <laughs> and and so if you go to the gym expecting a spa experience, you're really in the wrong place. Uh-huh. And so similarly, if you, and life is like a gym. Um, it's a mental, emotional, spiritual gym. And so when the inevitable challenges come, don't kick against them, just ride with them. It's like, okay, well, I will overcome this too. Let's just get through it as quick as we can. And <laughs> uh, and your attitude may not influence your destination, but it definitely influences the journey. Mm. And I like having fun on my journeys. Yeah. So uh, one of the, going through training, one of the trainings you go through is uh, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape training. We call it Siri training. Okay. And part of that is you get trained as a prisoner of war. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, a lot of it's classified. I can't really talk about about a whole lot of it. But there's a a piece that I I can probably share. That um, So being a prisoner of war, it's a miserable experience, as you might imagine. And the training is really, really good. I'm glad I never have to go through it again. (laughs) Um, But at one point, they've got all of us. um, we're, We're all lined up. We're all... Uh, we can't see anything. We're blindfolded because I mean it's just part of it. And but they've got us all with our hands on the shoulders of the person in front of us, so mm-hmm. kind of keep us all in an orderly line. And there's some obnoxious music, if you can call it that, being played, and and it, it's all designed to just you know disorient and and everything else you can imagine. Um, so we're standing there in line. I don't even know how many days we've been in, in this training. Um, And it's just miserable. But I notice on what would almost pass for music, there's a little bit of a rhythm to it. I'm like, huh. So I got my hands on the shoulders of the person in front of me. Can't see anybody. I don't know who this is. Mm -hmm. I start pulsing my fingers in time with the rhythm, sort of. Mm -hmm. And just trying to let him know, hey, we're in this together. I'm with you. I, I was gonna say I see you. I was I can't see you, but <laughs> yeah. but we um, and, and just kind of send them a little subtle message of hey, you know what? It's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Mm. What I found out after the training, so the training's all done, and we're in our debrief, uh, where we're all kind of talking about what we learned and everything else. And somebody says, so I was at this one part in the in the training. Somebody started doing this thing on my shoulders. <laughs> Somebody else was like, yeah, that happened to me too. Somebody else says, yeah, the same thing. What ended up happening, because it was the person behind me, I was kind of moving my shoulders a little bit too with them. I mean, it was like a conga line. The <laughs> conga whole line <laughs> ended up doing this. This message got passed along throughout the whole line. Wow. And it brightened everybody's day. Wow. And it's like, I had no idea. I was just doing what I could in the moment, mm-hmm. but ended up transforming the experience enough they remembered that out of everything else. Um, so yeah, even even in the depths of a miserable experience, if you choose to see a bright spot and do something fun with it, it can make it just a little bit nicer. And it can impact not only you, but those around you as well. Yeah. 
Wow. And, and you don't know how far that'll ripple. No, you don't. All the way up the line. All the way up and down the line. <laughs> that is powerful. And one other thing with that we had mentioned before about how you're never really alone. Uh, I found that if you ever feel alone, that it's because you're looking inward instead of outward. That makes sense. Yeah, and if you're now recognizing that sometimes, I mean, depression is a real thing. Oh, I've, yes. I've experienced that. And I understand that in the depths of depression, we're talking, so in the depths of depression, you need more help to get out of that. Yes. Um, but we're talking just generally. Uh, it's possible to, to can be miserable and unhappy, but in many, time, many cases, it's by choice. It's you haven't chosen to reach out of yourself and ask for help and have somebody help brighten your day. Mm. Um, it's because you're, you're kind of woe is me. And, and when I say look towards somebody else, one of two ways, I found that providing service to somebody else is a great way to feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a whole lot of psychology involved in that one. But, uh, also if you need help, let somebody know you need help mm-hmm. because they're, they're living their own life and dealing with their own struggles. Give them an opportunity to feel good about helping somebody else as well. Mm-hmm. We are all in this together. Yeah. It, life is not meant to be lived alone. No, you're absolutely right on that. That's powerful. Thank you. I, I, I 100% agree. I learned that the hard way too. Mm. <laughs> I was in a car accident once too. Oh, and yeah? I, I learned, I learned the hard way that I had to humble myself and let people serve me. But the fascinating thing to me that I learned through that experience was I learned to love the people that served me so much. Mm-hmm because I couldn't do anything at the time. And, and I learned that, that as you serve others, it's a cycle of love. It absolutely Both is. Both the person serving mm-hmm. feels love. They love the person they're serving and the person who's receiving the service can also feel love. And so I think God meant for us to, um, to, to love and serve one another. It kind of be his hands here on earth, mm-hmm. you know? Kind of going back to your wife, being your helper, yeah. calculus, and then as you were recovering from your accident, you know, that it just amplified your love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think many times we get stuck in this, and call it a cultural paradigm, of being self-sufficient and, oh, I can do this, and, oh, I don't need help. But what a selfish way to live. Mm. Because you enjoy helping other people. Why would you deprive them of the opportunity of helping somebody else? Especially somebody they love, because there are so many people that love you, yes. whoever you are, mm-hmm. you're loved. And develop those relationships. Give people an opportunity to serve the person that they love. Yeah. Because that just, it strengthens bonds and creates such rich experiences in somebody's life. Why would you deprive somebody of that? Yeah. No, I love that. That's beautiful. Now, has there been a, a Bible verse that has become particularly meaningful to you as you have gone through your ups and downs? Uh, one that I really, really like, and there's there's lots that, that I like, but one in particular, um, I like it because it also ties into a hymn that's probably the most meaningful hymn to me. Um, but it's Psalm 4610, uh, just the first part of that that says, Be still and know that I am God. Because life, life can be tempestuous, it can be rough and busy and everything else. And usually when everything gets all hectic and crazy, uh, which can happen at any time, not just uh, sometimes that happened in flying, but like in family relationships and in work and everything else, there's plenty of opportunity for things to just be chaotic. Mm-hmm. And at those times, something that helps me to ground and come back to the kind of the eye of the hurricane where there's that peace Mm-hmm. is just be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. He's got this. And this goes back to that experience with my son that whatever happens, he knows you, he loves you unconditionally, and everything is going to work out okay in the end because he's God. Yeah. And he would not put his children in a situation that like we talked about before. They've got to learn and grow, but you're not going to set them up to fail. Right. You're going to set up every single one of them to succeed, whatever way that looks like, even if they in the moment feel like 
oh, this is going to fail. <laughs> right? <laughs> Trust that he's got it and he has your best interest at heart, whatever that looks like. We may not know what that looks like, but when it's all said and done, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Someday you'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that as an answer once when I was praying too. Oh, yeah? Someday you'll understand. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to understand now, but sometimes we have to wait for the perspective, right? Oh, absolutely. Because we haven't grown into that yet. Yeah. That is over the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to keep walking. Trust that I can see that 20 years down the road. You'll mm -hmm. be glad this happened. But I'm not very glad right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of that, which I think also is by design. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if we understood the answer, if we had the answer key while we're working the problem, yeah, we would never learn how to work the problem. That's true. That's true. It's further growth. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that another calculus reference. I can't get rid of that. <laughs> I guess you learned a little something there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Lynn, tell us what you've got in the works and, and how we can keep tabs with you and connect with you. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, so right now I'm doing a bit of writing. Um, I've got, so there's the screenplay that we mentioned. I've got another one in the works that I'm really excited about. It's, um, uh, I hope it gets made. There's a whole lot of pieces in the, the screenwriting world. If you would like to connect with Lynn and learn more about his projects, you can find him at lynnsense.com. That's L-Y-N-N-S-E-N-S-E.com. So Lynn, this has been so, so amazing. There are people out there who are really struggling right now. What words of advice would you leave them with as we close this episode? Oh, wow. Um, the words I think that come to mind most are, you are not alone. And if you feel alone, you need to reach out. You need to look, look for people to serve and look for people. Uh, and you can pray for that. You can say, hey, help me identify the people that will help me through what I need people I can connect with, people understand me, um, but realize you are not alone. And second of all, just don't quit. Just just keep going through whatever. Um, I actually just, just saw a quote um, just this morning that comes to mind. Uh, it's from a cowboy book. Um, <laughs> said, if you find yourself riding through hell, keep riding. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't don't quit. Look for people to share the journey with you that bring joy in your journey. Share that with them and then just keep going. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.